Thomas Arrow with Great American Mining. Great American Mining. What company is that? Boy, mining, that is broad. I like that because what a lot of people don't understand is that the oil and gas industry is technically underneath the mining industry. So uh, talk to me about what it is you guys do for a second, Tom. Well, basically, we have started a kind of new project that focuses on um, targeting oil and gas producers, um, essentially working with them, taking their excess flare gas instead of them flaring it or um, using, you know, like an NGL setup. We take that gas for them. We mitigate it for them. We run it through uh, generators uh, with some light conditioning, and we use it to power these mobile data centers um, on site. So it's a lot of emission management then, huh? Right now, the current use case, specifically in the Bakken, is a flare mitigation uh, kind of angle. Okay. Eventually, we want these folks, or we believe that these folks, if we share enough data with them and they kind of understand it, it's very much a black box right now. They'll see it as a, an alternative to a pipeline. We call it a digital pipeline, Um uh, and, and in terms of like how we think about it. Yeah, I, I want to get through into the digital part of things because, you know, doing a little bit of uh, research on what you guys are doing. And, of course, I, I saw the digital currency and Bitcoin and a few few things like that. And I, and I don't really understand a lot of that. So I just w thought it'd be good to have you talk about the whole digital aspect of the oil and gas world right now because it is changing pretty quick. And there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to figure out how to capitalize on this type of technology. And there's a few people doing some research and development. And I know you're one of them out there that actually has a few boxes out there. So explain the box, explain the digital part of this whole process. Sure. So the, the, the boxes that we have, and there's a number of other, um, I would say competitors to what we're doing. Um, it's obviously a huge um, ecosystem as far as like the amount of, uh, you know, supply that's there. So it's definitely a burgeoning industry. But we have these containers or, you know, Connex boxes that are, are dropped on site that are filled with basically uh, computer servers that specifically do one task over and over and over again. And those computers all work together in harmony and they consume a lot of energy. So uh, you, the idea is you, you pack these boxes of computers together you have a lot of energy consumption taking place. We have uh, satellite dishes that essentially send the uh, computations to uh, where they need to be. And then we get compensated for protecting this financial network, which is called the Bitcoin network. Um, and, you know, for, for us, the way that we look at it is it is kind of a black box and it is really weird for uh, most oil and gas uh, producers or anybody in the oil and gas industry when they first hear about it. We've gotten, you know, I think we went live in December and part of the process was, you know, just having people come by and like kind of stare at it and look and ask questions um, because it's just this metal container with some fans on the outside you know, blowing out hot air and seeing these generators run 24 seven. And we just saw a use case where we could help uh, specifically here in the Bakken uh, um, producers deal with the flare problem that they have and to do it in a much more efficient way than most of the other solutions that are available today. Did you say Bitcoin? 
Bitcoin, yes, sir. So um, explain Bitcoin for a second for the average person out there. I know a lot of people have heard of it, but just kind of a maybe a 30-second elevator pitch type of a right, scenario I'll give you what a... Bitcoin is. Absolutely. So Bitcoin was invented about 10 years ago uh, by a pseudonymous um, inventor called Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, we don't know who he is. We No one has ever figured it out. He essentially wrote a white paper in response to the financial meltdown in 2008. That was kind of his white paper, his thesis. And he said, you know what, banks shouldn't um, have the ability to ruin people's lives uh, by, you know, essentially inflating money and, and, and kind of a lot of like what we're seeing right now. And so he created this as a kind of a test case um, and it kind of took on a life of its own and he let it out in the wild. And it's basically a peer-to-peer. So between you and me, there's no intermediary. So like if you know you wanted to send me PayPal, you could send me PayPal. I could log in, get my PayPal from you. But um, PayPal still has the ability to go in and grab that money from either you or I, even in one of our bank accounts. With Bitcoin, it's kind of like a Swiss, uh, uh, consider like a Swiss vault in your pocket. Once that value hits your keys your wallet your digital wallet you're you are the only one that owns the access to that code and nobody can take it from you and there's no reverse charges so that's what it exists as as a censorship resistant um, proof of value and correct me if i'm wrong but bitcoin is is a more, more like a xerox and you know copy machine would, would be like the industry so is there bitcoin is an actual term right not not the uh, industry itself correct uh sometimes you'll hear the term and i've heard you use it on your uh on your podcast blockchain technology so the underlying technology of bitcoin is the blockchain that's this database that is essentially what all of our computers are doing they're checking this database over and over because it's freely available for everyone to be able to audit to make sure that there's no funny business going on. And it's, I, I tell you, I, I think it is the wave of the future. Uh, I'm, I'm even seeing like uh, there's some sort of new program that gets you paid three days before apparently you can get paid with your direct deposit. And I'm going, oh, that's, that's what blockchain is and Bitcoin, right? Where it's just, it's immediate. It's just, it's, it's done, it's done. Um, is that kind of the concept that when the contract is done, you don't have to wait on receivables and all that other stuff. It just happens. Yeah. So, I mean, payment wise, uh, and well, I would say settlement wise, it's pretty close to instantaneous. Yeah. Um, there is a couple minute, you know, um, period where everything is kind of confirming, but once it's confirmed, there's no going back yeah. uh, and you got, you got it in your, you know, it's in your possession within maybe 15 minutes. And then there's, you know, and I've seen people send amounts, you know, I think there was a uh, transaction the other day of like a $40 billion transaction that was sent for less than 70 cents. And it was in someone else's wallet within five minutes. So, so imagine trying to send a $40 billion wire and what, how long that would take. Right. Yeah. The thing that I'm trying to wrap my arms around here, wrap my mind around more than anything, is that what I'm hearing is that these little black boxes essentially can create Bitcoin or create some sort of digital currency Correct. value out of the 
flared natural gas or the controlling of the emission management of the natural gas? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, so explain what that I, to me because that is so bizarre to me. Because I read about this in Canada a few years ago, and I know, I, and I know what's going on. I just don't understand it. And don't you know? You don't have to give away your proprietary secret by any means, but I'm sure there's a dumbed down version somewhere. Well, really, it, it, it involves incentives, right? Uh, Bitcoin mining is very similar to. Uh, the oil and gas industry has it it really is ruthless capitalism and so there's a race for uh, people who are involved in this industry to find the cheapest most scalable uh, reliable power they can because the lower you you get that number and the more scale that you get the greater the chances of you being able to mine bitcoin very cheaply and more efficiently than your anyone else out there doing it so you've got this constant um push of capitalism trying to innovate to find the best ways to actually mine it and so you know typically for the first you know six or seven years of bitcoin uh well at least the first three years most people did it in their house you could actually mine bitcoin on your laptop Mm -hmm. and then as competition started heating up you start. You started to see the shift to uh, specific types of uh, computing devices that were that would do it. And now we're in a stage where we've got you know large data centers, you know, and more. I would say like a traditional data center warehouse model where you'll see them stuffed to the gills with these things, um, but they're on grid power. And so there's certain you know whether limitations from a regulatory perspective or people don't want them there. Uh, now we're seeing people go into you know what we're doing with the oil and gas industry and saying hey you've got all this pent up um you know free energy that's literally just being vented out of the ground or being flared in most of the cases in the bakken and we come along and say hey we can actually turn that molecule into an electron which will then essentially provide our business for us so we come alongside we take the gas in a very um you know we don't we don't require a lot of um I would say um, overhead for that to happen. We just simply use a, a generator that's used on probably 90% of the other wells that are out here. And then we plug our bo- box into those generators. And as long as the gas is free flowing and um, somewhat cleaned up, we can pretty much stay on 24 seven. This is absolutely incredible to me, the whole concept of this. And I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around it. And it's to, yeah, so, it, it's quite a wormhole. Well, it is, you know, and I don't know how deep you want to get with the wormhole, um, but I, I, I'm going to start shallow here, okay? I like to wade in the shallow end for a little bit before I get in the, I can get deep, 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 deep in the deep end, but I understand I lose people pretty quick. So let's start in the shallow end here. Let's say I'm an operator. You deal with operators, right? Like the oil yes, companies? sir. Okay. I imagine you'll deal with anybody that'll give you money, but those those prime prospects are probably the oil company. So let's say, you know, oil company ABC calls you and says, I want to know about this Bitcoin and stuff, you know, this black box you have. Explain to me how you're going to make me money, son. Well, I think right now what we're trying to do is we're still in the experimentation stage to understand if it can make money out here. So no one understood the amount of downtime or anything like that. Whereas in a typical setup, we can go in and plug in 
and we know our stuff's going to run 24 seven. Uh, so for us, I think what we've been trying to do is, and I think this goes probably pretty similar with the other folks that are doing this out there right now is we're, we're trying to get as much data as we possibly can into the oil and gas producers hands to determine if this is a viable solution for them to use in the future, because in theory, they should be, they will be the ones in the, a year or two from now who will be the largest of these operators in the world once they understand the economics behind it. So, but it's kind of like leading a, you know, a horse to water. You really got to, um, you know, it's definitely a good old boys network and this is kind of weird <laughs> to them, uh, and these, at least initially. And so it's, it's as simple as just getting it on site and showing that it works. And once they hear it, they see it, it, they get reports with their gas consumption reports coming back every day that we're doing exactly what we said we we're going to do. Um, then I think the, that wormhole gets deeper because then they start saying, Oh, well, um, well, how much money are you making off of this? And, um, how do you guys calculate, um, you know, your profitability? And then there's aspects of how do you deal with this from a, um, a perspective of, do you, can you short this? Can you treat this like a, um, like, you know, um, like you would a natural gas liquid. So there's all of those types of conversations that are unique to oil and gas that we're having that we didn't even realize we we're going to be able to have at this point. So it's very much, uh, you know, early stages, wild, wild west type thing. I love uh, trying to go back as far as I can and, and take a look at the history behind things and try to take a step back. And I always joke with people, you know, I'm a Libra, so I take take a topic oh, and I, same oh okay so basically you, you understand what I, I assume you understand what i'm talking about is you'll take a topic and you'll bat it back and forth like a game of mental ping pong till it's water vapor you know it's like you just you, you 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 go back and forth like the scales do it doesn't mean you're you know necessarily accepting it but your your mind goes through the different back and forth and back and forth and when I look at what you're doing here, I, I think back to what I was always told about the origin of money. And the word currency comes from a bank, you know, the, the river and the flow of energy. And money is nothing more than energy. And so when you, right. you, you look at currency and the Egyptians who invented currency with actually the word, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but there's a certain God that if you spell the name, and you put the double S and the I together, it actually creates the dollar sign. And when you look at the word bank with the river banks, they control the currency of money and they direct the currency of money. You know, so when, when you think about currency and money as energy, I understand completely what you're doing. And I, I get the whole thing. And when you can convert energy into digital currency, it makes total sense to me but i don't think the average person looks at it in that existential way and that's getting into the deep end my friend absolutely um you know that's one of our taglines on our website is uh, bitcoin equals the currency of energy so we, we 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 think that way as well um and for us that's why we we literally are just trying to look at this as a flare mitigation um kind of angle right now because it does take a while to kind of wrap your head around it and to, un and to become more comfortable. Now, you know, when Bitcoin first started out, 
they traded at like you know a couple cents uh and took years and years and years for it to become um acceptable or an accepted traded you know commodity um within the past two to three years you've seen the value go up i'm sure people remember during the top of uh 2017 where bitcoin reached twenty thousand dollars per bitcoin right now um it's around seven thousand dollars so you know just in the last 10 years it's gone from pennies to seven thousand dollars or up to 20 and down to seven so there's definitely some inherent value there and i believe most of that value is in the amount of resources people invest in to protect it which ultimately is protected by the amount of energy that these servers um are consuming so it's um, it's very it's a, a very symbiotic relationship that it has with energy I, I think it's absolutely incredible because it, to me it's the evolution of money uh, again you go back to the currency the original time and you know, some some people argue that the original, you know, currency and money, the reason that they used the river was because the person that had basically controlled the distribution supply chain was the person that understood how to navigate the river. And that allowed them the advantage to have a bartering system because our currency is really nothing more than a bartering system. Yeah, absolutely. So yes. as as you flash forward, backed by gold, yada yada, you take a look at paper dollars. I think it says right on the paper dollars it's a promissory note or something like that. And so uh -huh. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to get into a Federal Reserve conspiracy thing. I'm not trying to get into a political argument. What I'm trying to say is that what a dollar is is a promissory note. And it's the promise that that person that has that promissory note is going to utilize their energy in order to give you what you want for that promissory note. And now you flash forward it forward to the digital currency. I remember the Super Bowl ad where there was a, a like everybody was partying in line at this deli or this coffee shop and swiping their Visa card. It was a Visa ad and they're swiping their card. And all of a sudden the guy with cash, the clunky guy with cash comes and it just stops the party. The music stops. It's like the record screeches the whole deal. I got a couple texts and they said, well, cash is done. So Digital currency is the future, and to me, what you're talking about is really one of these kind of uh, uh, gold mining type of where it's picking and mining new digital currency. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, and I would just say that, you know, with the oil and gas folks that we're working with, you know, there is this um, kind of hurdle that we have to get over from, you know, just an educational standpoint where if they wanted to invest in these solutions themselves and, and utilize their own gas, um, they could potentially never, ever, ever have to touch Bitcoin if they didn't want to. Um, the way that the markets work currently is that at the end of every day or even near instantaneously, they could trade out to U.S. dollars. So if they're thinking about it from a perspective of like how we would how they would essentially just flow into a pipeline and they get their 30, 45 you know, their net type um, payments, they could theoretically just say, no, actually, I'd like my payment at the end of the day uh, in U.S. dollar for what, um, you know, what I earned from my box. And um, many folks operate in that way. I, I just see this as the future and, and, and not only the present, because it's happening presently, but uh, this is the future and this is a great solution to mission management. Now, it's not going to be the end all to be all, is it? I mean, they're not talking about, you know, turning 
the flaring issue overnight. But this is this is one of those innovative solutions that is going to be part of you know be be part of the all of the above, right? That that's kind of the idea behind this is that this is going to be part of a bigger plan in terms of reducing emissions. I would say that it's at least on the playing field now. Um, we've had a couple of conversations, and I know some other folks are working on uh, similar projects too who are working with research departments uh, in the area to validate um, exactly what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think once there's some more third-party peer-reviewed uh, type studies that are out there that kind of demystify what's going on, uh, I, start, I, I, will, I would think that you'll start to see a lot more adoption because – what you're doing at that point is you're actually creating a subsidy <laughs> to deal with the, the flaring issue at that point, because like, then there's actual like a real value to say, Oh, actually I can turn, you know, typically, you know, price of per MCF is like in the dollar 70 ish range. We typically see even on down months, uh, anywhere from five to 10 X that in terms of the value that we can turn gas into, into Bitcoin. Well, I, I think this is, like I said, you know, one of the reasons why I'm glad you came on the program is to educate people because personally, I'll make a prediction right now that it, cash is going to be almost next to gone in the next year and a half. And part of it's going to be what's going on right now with the coronavirus pandemic, the COVID shutdown. There's going to be a transition into digital currency at a faster rate than would have happened otherwise. And that's just because nobody can go anywhere to shop. <laughs> so they're being trained to use digital currencies. So is it, have yeah. you thought of that at all? How this is probably going to really benefit a lot of what you guys are doing in terms of the direction that really the world is going? Yeah, I mean, the, the world is definitely going to or, or is moving in that direction. I think what sets Bitcoin specifically apart from, you know, let's say PayPal or Venmo or any of these other, you know, uh, more centralized digital uh, transactions is the fact that you cannot be censored from it um, via political correctness or any type of political pressure. No one can stop you from sending a transaction uh, to another address. Um, and so I think in that scenario, it's going to become a very interesting, this is just my philosophical, I guess, take on it is that it will become a very powerful tool for, um, from a free speech com component where people will store their value because they know that they can't be censored in that way. I mean, right now you have literally banks, um, um, essentially not allowing to have to do business with certain folks because they have specific political leanings um, as far as businesses and stuff like that. So um, that's the difference with Bitcoin is that you cannot censor it. That's interesting. I never thought of that angle before because that is an issue where you're having a lot of banks that are pressured right now to drop their backing and financing of fossil fuels. That's, that's a legitimate thing. And if this is a alternative for financing, this is going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get, go down too too down like this conspiratorial or global, um, you know, uh, political realm. But you know, there's there are nation states right now who do have sanctions against them. Who I know for a fact, and you know, there's been published reports that are mining Bitcoin at at, at very large industrial rates. You know, tens tens of megawatts worth of power to mine Bitcoin specifically to get around some of these 
um, types of um, restrictions on them on them being able to do currency to, to do transactions incredible absolutely incredible and folks you're witnessing it right before your eyes and I, I remember telling somebody Bitcoin five years ago I said well as soon as they get an ATM let me know you know because my, my thing with like Bitcoin was it just it needs to get more mainstream and it needs to be more accepted and Bitcoin is digital currency to me they're kind of like the Xerox of of um, mm -hmm. you know I mean I, I is it when somebody says Xerox me a copy what they mean is make me a photocopy please or when they say give me a Kleenex they mean tissue and and Bitcoin was like that you know they were they were first in and they got that but that is where we're going folks and it might be called PayPal or Venmo like you said but it is a digital currency that is basically taking over, and I, I gotta, ask, I, I just gotta ask the question: Is this, is this basically gonna be the new currency? I'm mean, in your prediction, like when you take a look at rubles and dollars and yen and all that different stuff. Do you, do you see where maybe the Venmo, the PayPal, or the, or the uh, Bitcoin is gonna be kind of the global currency? Hmm. Uh, I do think that that is the ambition behind the originators, um, you know, desire to create it was okay. for an alternative. I would say this though, that I see it more as a universal store of value. So almost consider it more like a digital form of gold. So I could see people moving their wealth, um, into this to kind of, you know, either shelter themselves or to have, uh, to make it portable. I, you know, I, I think with capitalism, um, there, there needs to be, I don't think it, it, it works as good of, as a dollar um, from like the frictionless standpoint, um, at least currently. That's Digital my hot take. Capitalism. Interesting. You got my mind going a couple different directions right now. I'm thinking of a second life site and digital capitalism. Darn it. All right. We got it. We're getting too deep now here, folks. All right. We better get back into the shallow end here. So you're currently working with some customers, and I don't necessarily expect you to name their names or anything along those lines, but go ahead and give yourself a plug and explain what you can do and how you're helping some companies out there uh, in Shale Play USA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are working with a, I would say, a, a, a pretty decent sized uh, oil and gas producer in the Bakken, definitely top five or so, um, who saw an opportunity to basically invest in um, determining if this could be a potential um, avenue. And, and let me be clear, their focus was to do this as a way to validate uh, a possible flare mitigation um, component to it. So it wasn't pitched to them as like, here, you can make this magical internet money. Um, it was simply a decision of, hey, this actually can consume gas. Uh, we can you can take our gas, it can, it can convert that into energy, and therefore we, you, we can you know essentially use this wasted resource right on our well pads. Um, so we're doing that uh, right now for um, our customer, and I know that there is a number of other um, of our competitors who you know I I wouldn't even consider them competitors. There there's guys that are trying to do. Uh, who believe in what we're we're doing as well and uh they're trying to make a dent in this as well and they do believe it they do i want to say this most importantly is the reason why we could have gone and got cheap power from a number of different sources so 
there is a draw for us specifically because we do believe that it's a uh, a national security element. Like we want there to be a lot of power used in the Bitcoin network here in the United States. And then secondarily, um, we do believe that there's a, you know, a, and I've heard you talk, I mean, ad nauseum during your shows about this black eye in the oil and gas industry with the flaring problem. And this is a, this is a solution to it. So that's how we see things. And that's why I talk about it as ad nauseum, because not only, um, do I talk about it? The regulators and the oil industry is the one that set the bar. And the Greta's do as and, well. And so all I'm doing is saying, look, here's another company that can help you be a part of the solution. And and I get it. Not everybody has the finances to do it. But let me tell you, man, I've seen the government subsidies be handed out for a lot of different things. And that's why I've been an advocate that why don't we transition or shift some of those solar and wind subsidies over to the natural gas side of things because we could solve, I mean, we could solve this flaring problem in five years because there are so many smart, clever capitalists like yourself out there. And then you got the other side of guys that, you know, side of things they're trying to do like, you know, power generation and sell the batteries on the open market and, and methane and all these different things. So, there's a ton of little solutions that'll be part of the problem. And I just see where just a little shift of subsidies would take care of it, you know? And um, anyways, that's just me because I listen to what the people say and I try to take a look at if they're hitting the benchmarks that they're saying, not me, they. And if they're not hitting their benchmarks, well, maybe it's not working out. Maybe we should look at some other ways, you know, like the like the Bitcoin guys. Like the like I used to I used to love giving your example. Like you got these crazy guys out there mining bitcoins at the well site. Other guys, you know, six months from their family checking monitors at well sites, living in shipping containers and stuff like that. People don't get that. That's real. And so I think those crazy guys should be re rewarded. That's all. So anyway. I uh, appreciate you listening to the podcast, by the way. That's nice of you. Um, Absolutely. Hey, I did want to ask you one thing, though, is um, I, you know, I, I've been one thing, another that I've been very much vocal about is I get that, you know, the oil industry ebbs and flows and the economy goes up and down. But at the end of the day, there's still a ton of money out there. In fact, there's more money today than there was yesterday because Congress just printed, what, another billion dollars or trillion dollars? So there's more money on the planet than before. Now, I get that less, the less people have more money, but there's still the same amount of money. So you got to make a better steak sandwich and you got to build a better mousetrap. Okay, that's just kind of the way it goes. Is what you're talking about going to bridge that kind of... Um, financial gap and maybe allow some people to do some sort of uh, international trade a lot easier because, you know, there's ex uh, importing and exporting laws that are really beyond a small business owner. But I, I see the day where this digital currency can kind of accelerate some international trade. Am I, am I in the ballpark there? Well, that's one of the biggest use cases for Bitcoin currently is overseas, um, uh, payments, whether it's, you know, people who are here sending money back to, you know, their family in a different country or in business environments, uh, Bitcoin is absolutely used as a way to um, uh, basically replace the wire transfer uh, system. 
That's how I kind of looked at it, too. It was a more sophisticated wire transfer system that was going to be accepted like a Visa MasterCard day-to-day, but now we're talking about just eliminating borders, if you will, and countries and everything. So anyway, okay, great. Uh, Very fun talk today, by the way. I didn't expect to go in the deep end. I used to do a show uh, back in my former days. I hosted a three-hour nighttime show, and I was the the lead-in to the Conspiracy Alien Overnight Show. And so the last hour of my program, I would get into some kind of some fringe topics. So I love it. Anytime anybody wants to talk conspiracy, I'm like, ooh, fun. <laughs> oh, my. I always, well, it doesn't mean I believe in them, but I always like talking about it because it really expands the mind. And you said you're a Libra. So I, I, I think you understand what I mean when I say bubble gum for the mind. Sometimes Absolutely. it's just fun to chew it around, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just thinking about like where we are in the current uh, reality of the world we're living in and having to wear a mask and not being able to go places, those things would have been looked at as conspiracies uh, years ago if you would have talked about it. And this is what we're dealing with. No, you're right. You're exactly right. In fact, the crude life's motto in the beginning of uh, 2020 was ready for anything. And we were talking more about, you know, 16-year-old girls with Asperger's being used as political weapons and using children to get banks and stop funding petroleum-based uh, companies and things like that, where um, at the end of the day, it was, oh, are you ready for a shutdown? I mean, we didn't even see that coming because ready for anything, we actually meant ready for anything. And one thing, by the way, to give ourselves a plug, as long as I have an opportunity here, our business was ready for 2020 and we were ready to have to go, you know, from our house and that sort of thing, because we did Uh expect this, not to this level, but we expected some shenanigans and we expected some, some dalliance because capitalism has been under attack for a long time. And the only industry left, in my opinion, that actually allows capitalism to work is the oil and gas industry. Every other industry is so subsidized or controlled. And the example I, and you're a technology guy. I don't know how much time you got here because this could open up another five to 10 minutes. But the example okay. I, I, I give on capitalism all the time is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had to get an okay from Hewlett Packard before he could start Apple because Steve Wozniak worked part time for Hewlett Packard. I believe it was Hewlett Packard back in the 70s. And back then, they had their intellectual property so guarded that part-time employees had to go and ask for an okay before they could go start their own thing. Now, luckily for Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, Hewlett Packard was not into that existential view and that 5,000-foot view. Otherwise, Apple would have never started. People forget that, that that's how controlled a lot of industries are today. Do you know what I mean by that, sir? Oh, absolutely. I remember reading um, the book of, of like how Bill Gates got started and how uh, the, he took the, the other route as far as being a little bit more cutthroat with, with some of those, um, uh, the abilities to control some of the intellectual property. And it's specifically, I think he, he, uh, he, he, he got Steve pretty good. Steve, uh, my understanding is Bill Gates basically did what was known as reverse engineering. And now Steve Jobs tried to do it, too. Don't get me wrong, because Xerox ended up being the loser in this, because if Xerox doesn't invent the mouse and the user interface, the graphic user interface, neither Microsoft or Apple have that idea. And that was kind of the 
you know, that was kind of what's what was so interesting about it is that uh, Bill Gates basically was able to reverse engineer and pirate uh, what Xerox had and Apple tried to steal legally, <laughs> if that makes sense. Apple tried the sophisticated legal route. Bill Gates just went in and said, yeah, let's do this, send it over to China, have them do it in a different country, and then we'll turn around and do it this way, which, again, I'm not complaining about at all. I'm just saying that's what happened, and that's the world we live in. Uh-huh. And, again, at the end of the day, the oil and gas industry, in my opinion, is the only industry left where an average Joe, an average Jamoke, who may or may not have a high school education, can take a look at this vibrating tube every day for two years working an oil and gas rig and say, you know what, I can get that tube to vibrate twice as fast for for less cost, and within a year he's a millionaire. I don't know if that can happen in any other industry anymore. That's a great point, absolutely. And and I just wanted to thank you too because – um, you know, we got into this market kind of by chance. We, one of the guys who works on our team uh, lives in, in Utah and he comes from an oil and gas background and happened to know a water, uh, the owner of a water treatment plant who focuses on, you know, um, oil wells. And so we reached out to him and said, Hey, we got this wild idea. We'd like to, you know, we noticed you have a flare stack, um, and they have um, specific flaring caps tied to, you know, to what they do there. So we said, hey, if we can make that headache go away for you, um, you know, could we come and like hook up a generator to it? And it was very much a similar scenario where we were trying to help make his business a little bit more efficient. And um, that's our that was my first kind of like entry into this. And then once we got introduced to the company that we were working with currently in North Dakota, I wanted to consume as much info as I could about what was going on. And I stumbled upon your podcast back in August of this past year. And, uh, you know, I'm just very thankful for the type of folks that you have on and the amount of education. And most importantly, your attitude of, of uh, it's like you can tell you're always trying to lift up the industry, which is good because, you know, there's a number of people that can complain all the time. But, um, you know, yours is very different from a lot of the other podcasts that are out there. Well, I appreciate that. And um, if you want to let me know your address, I'll send you a check because I've never gotten an endorsement like that <laughs> how before. My, how about I just leave my URL for the, for the site? Yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. You know, that's nice okay. for you to know because sometimes I get some emails that don't say that. They say the exact opposite. <laughs> one guy, One guy called me a... Oh, I can't even use the word, but L-I-B was at the end of it, and I don't even, I, I mean, I can't even clean it up, actually. It wouldn't even be a sentence. Never mind. So I can't, <laughs> I get emails that I can't clean up or they won't be sentences. Okay, we'll just leave it at that, yeah. Um, well, go ahead and give yourself a plug. You know, um, I do know who the operator is that you're working for, and yeah, it might be one of the top five in the Bakken, but it's definitely, you know, probably one of the top three in the country, so um you are working with one of the major operators, so you are legit. You do know what you're talking about. You've got something that is showing promise. So if somebody would like to you know, reach out to you and maybe take a look at your numbers or talk to you a little bit more about it, go ahead and give them your information. Absolutely. Thanks, Jason. Uh, the, web, the website is www.gam.ai, and we kind of affectionately refer to ourselves as GAM. 
uh, for Great American Mining. So if you'd like to go to our website, there's a contact button on there that immediately goes to my email. Uh, there's plenty of information on, on the site as well for oil and gas producers to get a little bit more uh, familiar with how we're trying to help them.